0: Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Today we're very pleased to have back in our studio Judge Nelson Johnson, who is the author of Bulwark Empire and The North Side. Judge Johnson, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. You know, I really enjoyed our conversation uh, last week, and something really hit me as uh, I was uh, thinking about... uh, some of the answers to the questions and one was the transfer of power uh, and that's a, a challenge in atlantic city um, you would think that transferring power between uh... one administration and another administration that everyone has the overall goal and objective to make uh... The, the city a great city you think that, that that would be smooth what has been the issues about transfer of power in your opinion
1: the Atlantic city was uh, controlled by a unique sort of social compact for more than three generations. And, and, and I'll try to articulate it this way. Old Atlantic City relied upon the, quote, season, close quote, which could last as short as 10 weeks, and if they were lucky, could last 14 or 15 weeks. Good weather from somewhere around you know, the middle of May to somewhere around the middle of September. Uh, and if you were lucky, the seasons had a little bit broader shoulders. But once the season ended, that was pretty much it until the next season. And so in order to keep the visitors happy, uh, you had to give them what they wanted. Uh, and in doing the research for my first book, one of the things that impressed me was the, you know, the, the wide-open corruption of the town uh, in terms of illegal sale of alcohol and gambling and brothels. And I recall pursuing this issue with an old-timer, a gentleman by the name of Mary Fredericks, uh, and I quote him in the very beginning of the book. Uh, when I was pressing him for why was this town so corrupt, his response to me was, Nelson, you've got to remember, if the people who came to town had wanted Bible readings, we'd have given them that. But nobody ever asked for Bible readings. They wanted booze, broads, and gambling, so that's what we gave them. Now, a successful re- resort permits the visitors to dictate the taste. The taste of the visitors coming from blue-collar workers in the Philadelphia region and, and Baltimore and New York in the first half of the 20th century was that they wanted to have a drink, and that they wanted to be able to gamble. And those that wanted to partake you know, with, with ladies, they wanted to be able to do that, too. Atlantic City saw that, and they said, hey, here's our opportunity to to be the place that people want to come back to. But to do that, you had to bend the law. To do that, you had to not enforce certain laws. And so the Bishop's Laws, which were laws dating back into the 1890s, basically said no booze on Sundays. And Atlantic City's response to that was, what do you mean no booze on Sundays? That's our busiest day of the week. So Atlantic City began violating the law one day a week, very religiously. You know, for about thirty years, and then along comes prohibition, and, and the the leap from violating the law one day a week to seven days a week. You know, intellectually, morally, legally, it's it's no big deal because you're already doing it. So, you, so instead of you know break the law one day a week, they break it seven days a week. But having said all that, the politicians, the hoteliers. And the racketeers needed to form an alliance in order to assure that the visitor was kept happy, in order to ensure that the season was profitable. And the com- combination, the triangle, the, the organization that came out of it sort of, sort of worked like this. The racketeer was told, you can do whatever you want to make a buck, but you're kicking back a portion of it to us meaning the political organization. And the political organization said to the racketeer and said to the hotels, we're going to do everything we can to make you successful. Now, hotels, you're going to be benefiting from these people that are coming here, and you're going to be benefiting from the fact that we're not going to interfere with you. And we ask one thing in return from you. Everybody needs to be registered to vote. And that includes your seasonal workers who may go back home to Philadelphia or Baltimore they need to be registered to vote, too, because when Election Day comes, we'll give them a train ticket to come to town and vote, and we'll give them a meal, and we'll give them a few bucks, but we need their vote. So Atlantic City worked under those conditions where you had an organization, and, and it was a very well-organized organization, that you know, turned out huge margins in elections and made them the darling of the Republican Party throughout the state. So first you had Lewis Commodore Coonley, then you had Nucky Johnson, then you had Hap Farley. But all three of them were very respected Republican politicians because they were able to crank out big votes. Nobody, nobody bothered to look at the fact that a lot of those votes were illegal, but they were able to crank them out. Uh, in the 70s, when that organization collapsed, and it was a whole combination of things because the town itself was collapsing, but when that political organization cra- collapsed, it left behind a serious power vacuum, which has never really been filled, and the town never really has developed the traditions of democratic, with a small d, democratic government. And so what we have is pretty much a free-for-all. We're having this constant brawl where everybody thinks, I'm going to be the next boss. What happens is, in that pursuit of being the next boss, some of them break the law, and some of them wind up in jail. So not not a pretty picture in terms of contemporary local government in Atlantic
0: City. Right, right. And with that, um, the lack of transfer of power, I guess you get you get the lack of uh, consistent leadership in, in regards to a master vision, if you there will.
1: There's no consistency. There is no consistency at all. It's very sad. But you know, correct.
0: I, you know, I can recall back when I was uh, at Atlantic City High School and I graduated in 1977, and I remember during one of the events that we were at as a team, we went to Convention Hall. They had this master vision for the new high school. And that new high school actually had taken them, I think, more than 20 years to, to build. And you have to and you just ask yourself, why would it take so long uh, to, to do a project as important as, as a high school Wonder. I, I, I know just what you're saying. I saw it too and couldn't figure it out. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I've, I, because my mother's there, I've always taken a, a, a very big interest in Atlantic City. And actually, uh, this whole series came about uh, because I was visiting my mother for her birthday back in August. And Pastor Days of Second Baptist Church, he was addressing the congregation in regards to this code of silence that is uh, on the street where people would see or witness crime but they wouldn't say anything yeah. uh, for a variety of reasons. And uh, that prompted me to say, you know, if one thing I can do, I can put a highlight, uh, a spotlight on the issues and the challenges, but also the opportunities that Atlantic City has, because uh, Atlantic City has a beach, it has a boardwalk, um, it also has pretty good weather, even though the winters can can sometimes be tough if Mother Nature decides to blow them with a storm. But it seems to me that they have a great opportunity uh, to really capture uh, a, a good part of the travel and leisure entertainment marketplace,
1: there's no question about that. When you, when you just look at where it's located, uh, that alone creates the opportunity. Uh, but, you know, Atlantic City does have a heck of a lot of competition from new venues. Yes, yes. That have, have gambling now that didn't have gambling 15 years ago. Uh, so it's going to have to diversify. It's going to it's gonna have to reinvent itself. Atlantic City's done that a lot of times you know, since 1854. It has reinvented itself, uh, and I'm hopeful that it can. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. You know, one of the aspects that your book points out in The North Side, it really talks about the level of service that the African com- African-American African community provided the visitors to Atlantic City. Um, but I don't think that that quality of service is at that, at that same level that it was back in the... Uh, uh, the early days of Atlantic City.
1: Well, everything's relative, and what I, and what I mean by that is, you know, as our society has grown and become more affluent, and as the you know quality of construction of hotels and homes and cars has changed, uh, people's expectations have changed. And I agree with you. There are there are situations where sometimes a visitor will come to town, and their expectations are a lot higher than what's being provided to them. Uh, I think across the board, the hoteliers in Atlantic City understand the need for good service, and I think they're very sensitive to the need. Uh, but are they consistent? I can't tell you that. I mean, I, you know, I tend to think they may not be as consistent as we would like to see them as they are in other resorts, but I'm not going to condemn them uh, because I do know that they think about it and work at it all the time, and they work at it very hard. Uh, but it's, tough, it's a tough business because again, this is these are dollars that become more precious as the economy continues to be a problem, and so people, you know, when they want to take a trip, they want to they, they have high expectations that when they get there, they're going to get treated first rate, and when they're disappointed, and when they are risk, they never come back. Hmm. So yes, service is terribly important, um, but I'm not going to second guess how they do it because they, they are they are having a hard time. Uh, all the way around in, ter- in terms of you know, the finances of a hotel right now. Are, uh, Atlantic City is, is hurting, a, as are a lot of other resorts in the nation.
0: Right, right, right. And um, what is your, your view in regards to the crime in Atlantic City? Do, do you think that it's, it's, uh, it's not as bad as other large towns considering the number of visitors that uh, come to Atlantic City?
1: The answer to that is I think you're right. And, let, and let, me, let me make this observation, because I say this, I, I, get, I get a good chance to speak frequently to college students, uh, some of whom are, are you know, by my standards and your standards, real young guys and gals who, you know, all they know is what they see in front of them. Uh, and, and what they have seen during their short adult lives is all across America, cities that are in bad shape. Cities that are violent, cities that are dirty, cities that you know aren't lit up at night, cities where there's very limited job opportunities. And they look at this and they say, this is what American cities are. And what I always say to them is the American city, and I include Atlantic City as well, the American city did not fail. It was abandoned. People left. People decided that they were going to pick up and go elsewhere. Mm. Perfectly healthy communities were destroyed simply by people leaving. I can take a phone book from 1950 in Atlantic City or a phone book from 1950 in the city of Camden. Let's go through the names that are there, and then let's take a phone book for the Shore Road communities of Abseekin, Northfield, Linwood, Somers And let's look at some of the names. And you'll find the same family names that were in Atlantic City 50, 60 years ago. They now live on Shore Road in Atlantic County. Mm. You, can, you can go to Cherry Hill and you can find the same business names, the same family names that were in Camden 50, 60 years ago. They're now in Cherry Hill. Very interesting. But did Camden fail? No, Camden didn't fail. It, 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 the critical mass of the economy got up and left. That's what happened. And, and, and the same thing happened to Atlantic City. The critical mass of the local economy decided we're leaving. Now, it's, it's a very complicated subject, and, and, and people a lot smarter than me have, have written on it. Uh-huh. But it has to do with the automobile, it has to do with highways, it has to do with everybody wanting their green backyard. And on and on and on, but there are consequences that flow from that, and we as a nation have really got to look at you know how are we going to deal with this? Because now I'm going to give you you're going to get a lot more than you want on this one, but but it's 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 one of my pet subjects.
0: No, no, please, please.
1: Are you aware? Are you aware that in this nation's history, and you can take it from every census that was required under the Constitution uh, in in. 1790, uh, right on up to the last census, you will find that the number of patents, the number of new ideas, the number of authors and writers and artists and dancers and performers, the number of those people... and and, and contributors to our society in a big way on a per capita basis is far greater coming out of cities, even today, far greater coming out of cities than coming out of the suburbs. Cities are places where people create because there's a critical mass of minds to exchange things with one another. And I have no doubt that Atlantic City still remains a creative place because I come into contact with some of those people. And I'm sure... And as hurting as it is, there are still creative people there too. But the more healthy cities are far more creative. My point I'm trying to make is cities are a tremendous asset. I mean, you're you're, you're at Seton Hall now. Yes. Do, do you have an appreciation for what a grand city Newark once was?
0: Oh yes, very much so.
1: Thank you. Okay. Cause I I'm I'm working on a project now that has has required me to get to Newark and. And, and I love Newark's library. It's, it's the best library in the state. It, it has fallen on hard times because of the local finances, uh, but it's still a treasure trove for any, any, any researcher, any geek like me.
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, and when you walk around that town, you can see the skeletons. Yes. Or you can see the carcass of what was once a magnificent city. Now, yes. did, did Newark fail? No, Newark didn't fail. People got up and left. That's mm-hmm. what happened. Now, there's a, the, people, the people that left will give you all sorts of explanations for why they left, but the end result is, hate to use this term, too, uh, because it's, you know, it's, it's a term that gets thrown around in politics a lot, but some people might look at the situation and say, "Ah, eh, at the first hint of a challenge, they cut and run. Yeah, yeah. It's, and so, you know, we, we as a nation have to at some point come to grips with that. I don't know if we will. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure that we will. Uh, I think the people will do it on their own. Uh, I mean, I, I see glimmers of hope in lots of cities that I visit where you can see neighborhoods are being rebuilt slowly but surely. I mean, there are sec- my daughter lives in Philadelphia. There are sections of Philadelphia that 30 years ago, they were terrible. Now they're hustling and they're vibrant and it had nothing to do with city government. It had to do with young people. Decided, hey, you know, this looks like a pretty good place. Let's make this place work. And so... Yeah, I see I see glimmers of that in Newark as well I think you do too
0: absolutely matter of fact um, one of my projects I'm going to launch a technology company in Newark Are you really yes yes very good because I feel that uh, Newark has all of the necessary infrastructure to conduct business um, it has the people it has the universities there and you're right creating this 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 echo system of knowledge will allow ideas to percolate to the top and, and those ideas, and a lot of people don't know this, and now I get on one of my topics, because I work in scientific publishing, is that the United States has lost its lead in uh, patents and trademarks. It has. Uh, it has. To China, India, Japan, and they're really putting their money in investments into these areas. And that's why these new ideas are coming out of uh, 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 China as well as India. So, But it's not that we can't Get our, I like to say, get our mojo back. We can, but it's going to take a concerted effort to really pull our resources together. Matter of fact, I was watching a program just the other day where uh, Stanford University is planning to set up in in New York City a campus because they want to take advantage of the great minds that are on the East Coast.
1: Uh, Look, Lower Manhattan. I can't give you the. I, I want to say it's Lower Six Seven, but I'm probably wrong. It had its own little Silicon Valley going on there.
0: Yes, 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 it did.
1: Cities are an asset. We need to revive them. And, you know, right now it's happening too much on its own. And maybe that's better, I'm not sure. But there's not not enough help coming from our leaders to redirect our energies to, to the wonderful assets that cities are for us.
0: That's right. Well, you know, what's interesting is that uh, the state of New Jersey has a lot of great programs that they need to promote better. Like one program that I'm looking at for my business is, whereas if you can demonstrate to them that you've raised whether it's two hundred fifty thousand, five hundred thousand, or a million dollars, and you can put your IP up as collateral, they will give you matching funds. That's
1: good. I'm
0: happy to hear that. You know, so the question is, you know, what what can what can happen in Atlantic City? What type of programs uh, can they do in Atlantic City? To really draw that type of industry and that type of innovation uh, to help Atlantic City rebuild itself, because I tell you, uh, I, again, I hate to go on Atlantic Avenue, but uh, Atlantic Avenue can be a really grand place that would not take away from the boardwalk, would not take away from the casinos.
1: I don't disagree with you. I I've, uh, I've heard all good things about the gentleman who was the New executive director of the CRDA. Yes, and I and I believe, and this has been my experience in life, and, and you're you're old enough to appreciate what I'm about to say. Usually, the reputation that precedes a person is accurate. Not always, but usually. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so I'm hoping that his that you know that his reputation is is the real deal, and I'm hoping that he's going to be the leader. That the community needs, and if that's the case, I believe he will find a fair number of people that will be willing to work with him uh, if he shows them the vision. Because that—that's uh, that's what Atlantic City and that's what a lot of cities in this nation are lacking right now—is vision and leadership.
0: Yes, 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 yes. You know, it's interesting. Uh, one of my recent assignments. Uh, i i i I was there for a particular short period of time, but I had accomplished quite a bit and One of the things I said to my team members at the time uh upon my leaving, I said, I just want you to know one thing that each and every one of you have have great skills. You will notice of all the things that we accomplished over the last six months that I did it with everyone who was here. We didn't hire anyone from the outside and then one of the but one of the people said to me. Yeah, Darrell, but we had you. And I said, well, I do thank you. I do appreciate that. I said, but just because I'm leaving doesn't mean that you have to stop doing those things that you learned. I agree. You know, and teaching people to lead and teaching people uh, how to lead, that is the challenge. And, uh, and I do get a sense that Atlantic City just has a, a, a vacuum of, of leadership. and
1: it's- It does. It does. Your, your, your analysis is right on.
0: So there, there, there is an opportunity there, but you know it, it starts with uh, one. It starts with a plan, and it starts with implementing the plan and having the funds to back it. And now with this new fund that the CRDA has and the new leadership, I have high expectations for Atlantic City.
1: Well, I'm doing my best to keep my expectations under control. I've been disappointed too much in the past. Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> and 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 I and I guess sitting from your, your bench, and I and I appreciate if you if you can't discuss that at all because of you know you you are a judge. Um, what is your view from the bench? Are you seeing things get better? Are you seeing things stay the same, or
1: the, the economy is playing out in the courthouse. Yeah. We have three divisions. We have the family division, which I view as sort of the Marine Corps of the judiciary because they really have tough duty. Uh, we see, see an increase in domestic violence. We see an increase in unpaid child support. Uh, we see an increase in people who want to get divorced but they can't because their home is, you know, underwater. They have no equity and they don't know what to do with the asset. Now, you take it. You take it uh then you see an increase in, in in the docket in the criminal court uh where more people have turned to crime but this is this is a national thing this isn 't just one. right it's right that. national and then in the civil court where I am we see we see an increase in in filings of of commercial matters of all sorts whether it 's everything from credit card debt to you know the uh the guy who put in the new fence for the homeowner and the homeowner didn 't pay him or the guy who did the landscaping all summer and come fall he'd get stiffed uh, because people don't have money or whether it's foreclosure actions and so yes the economy is playing out in courthouses all across the nation uh that's how it works and and we as judges understand that uh and some of the stories we see and hear are very sad i mean they're very sad because i mean what do you there are people who can't can't pay their debts and they'll and they'll and they will very you know uh, un, unreluctantly show you their pay stubs and what has happened to them over the past eighteen months. And when somebody's salary gets reduced by forty percent, you know how, how do how do they continue to live at the same standard they were living? They can't. Now, obviously, they've got to make adjustments. But, but they're being told, well, you know that. 60% of your former income, that's all you can expect for in the foreseeable future. Uh, you know, if you don't like that, then you can go look for a job someplace else. Uh, and it's tough. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough economy right now, and a lot of people are suffering. Uh, and it has me concerned as to where we're going as a society. because too many people are falling into poverty.
0: That is true. That is true. There's a, um, a documentary that one Academy wore called The Inside Job,
1: I I'm very familiar with
0: it. Yes, and uh just watching it. I've watched it twice now. I've watched
1: it twice also.
0: I got to watch it again because I I'm taking notes just to just just to understand the the state of mind, the mentality when you when you when it starts off with the uh the case study in in Iceland, you you just go what were these what were these people thinking? you know, in regards to how they're going to, to finance this debt. I,
1: I, 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 tell, I tell students that I speak to at colleges and whatnot, history doesn't march in a straight line. It marches in a circle. And we made these same mistakes back in the 20s and the 30s, and now the grandchildren of the people who made those mistakes made them all over again. Uh, and we're living with the consequences. And the consequences, I think, are going to drag out for quite a while. It's 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 a it's a it's not a pretty picture. What is happening to the American economy right now? And I'm not smart enough to figure out how we solve it. I I, I you know I give my blessing to everybody that's working at it. But a movie like The Inside Job is very revealing of how we got to where we are.
0: Yes, yes, yes. You know, I can recall because I, I worked at uh, Dow Jones Financial News Services for 13 years, so. I, I still watch the the economic news and Wall Street news very closely. But over the years, uh, from 2003 and up, I, I said, wait a minute. This housing market just cannot continue to, to grow as it was growing.
1: I and, saw the same thing. I said, this is crazy what's happening.
0: And interesting, Forbes, there was a gentleman at Forbes, I can't remember his name, but he was talking about the bubble bursting back in 2004. Yeah. yeah. And... uh I tell you, as you said, uh, there, there, there's a book there, uh, Judge Johnson, in regards to. Uh oh
1: yeah, well, yeah. You know, some people are doing a pretty good job on that book. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've read it, I've read a couple books already. Uh-huh. Um, I have I have I have my own idea of of a book that I want to write somewhere down the road to try to explain some of this stuff because it's, it's all very complicated. I'm not going to tell you it isn't. Right. right. Uh, but I'm, I'm working on I'm working on a project now that's going to take me a few more years to get it done. So I'm just going to stay on that. Right, but I keep thinking about that next book about about our country and where we are because it's 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 troublesome. It, it is troublesome. Uh, I mean, this yeah, this generation, you know, our generation, you and I. Okay, we're, we're, I'm older than you, but not a whole lot older than you. And our kids may be the first ones who we, as their parents, cannot you know confidently say, "Oh, my kids will live better than me." Right. Right. My, mother, my, my, my father died when I was, when I was young, but my mother was very confident that I would live better than her. Right. Her father was very confident that she would live better than him, and so on and so on. This is the, this is probably the first generation, you know, in the last hundred and fifty years since the Civil War, that people cannot confidently look forward to their children living better than them.
0: Right. That's Right. That's worrisome. It is worrisome. It is worrisome. Well, I have one final question for you. This has been so instructive and so informative over the past couple of weeks with you, Judge Johnson. But in your opinion, what are the components of a successful strategy to improve the image and number of visitors to Atlantic City?
1: Well, I've always believed that in everything you go with your strength. And probably the number one strength that Atlantic City has is its ability to stage events that will draw people from the Northeast region, uh, whether it's a basketball tournament, uh, whether it's you know, concerts, whether it's you know, shows and productions. Uh, Atlantic City's Boardwalk Hall, uh, for the past five to six out of the last seven years, uh, on a, on a dollar-per-seat basis for, for arenas of its size, Has been number one in the country. So that tells me that they need to do more of the same in terms of events. Because through events, they can diversify their audience. They can diversify the people that come there. Because gamblers have lots of places to go now. But events are something special. And if you have, and and each event can draw a, a different audience. And if they come to town and have a good time, They might be willing to come back a second or a third time without an event, simply because, hey, I like that particular restaurant. Hey, that hotel I stayed in was pretty nice. Hey, walking on the boardwalk is nicer than I thought it would be. That's a pretty damn big boardwalk. It is is the biggest boardwalk in the nation. Uh, And so, you know, Atlantic City has to reach out to the world by staging events that will fit into the niche of various people's tastes and and make them loyal visitors of Atlantic City, even if they only visit once a year, uh, because... That's, you know, it takes, takes a lot of little pieces to build a puzzle, and allowing City's success, I think, the future is held by staging events that will attract people.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, Judge Johnson, we are, unfortunately, we are out of time, and I really want to thank you for spending the last two weeks with us on, on our program.
1: Well, it's been my pleasure, and I, I hope you and I meet in, in, again and, and have a good chance to talk more. I enjoyed it.
0: Well, I tell you, the next time that I come down to Atlantic City to uh, visit with my mother, I will check with you, see if your schedule permits, and I'll gladly uh, come meet you and have a cup of coffee with you because I really look forward to meeting you in
1: person. We're going to do that for sure. I'm I'm really counting on that happening.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Judge Nelson Johnson, the author of Bolt Empire and The North Side. And he has shared with us over the last two weeks his views on Atlantic City and his writings of Boatwalk Empire and the North Side. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.